she waddles through this land, pregnant with dreams of liberation, with nowhere to birth them. Her water breaks in an attempt to cleanse the rot of patriarchy, but in turn baptizes her as less than human. But this feminist understands that the power of her voice and clenched fist shall reclaim her freedom. Not yet, Uhuru, the new voice of the women's liberation movement. Welcome to the UJFM Drive, and this is not yet Uhuru. I mean, there is, well, from three till four, I mean, there is still so much work to do. We are speaking truth to power right here on the UJFM Drive 95.4. You're hanging out with myself, Pumzilangota. Hi, everyone. My name is Malibuse Podi. And as Pumzil has been saying that we are your hosts for the first hour of this drive time slot, Monday to Friday, 3 to 4 p.m. Don't forget the hashtag, not yet Uhuru. Hi, Pumzil. How are you? I'm good. How was your weekend? You. Uh, my weekend was, it was okay. You know, I was indoors. Uh-huh. I slept a lot, uh, which is a good thing because I'm now energized. I feel, yep. a lot, I feel more energized. And yeah, that's how my weekend was. What about yours? Oh, I wish that I could feel energized. I was busy, busy, working. busy, busy is, working. Is it work related? Work or? related. I mean, I feel like sometimes, <laughs> you know, when you wish that you could pause and mm. sleep for two weeks and then wake up. Mm. So that's why I say I envy you. But it's not about me today. It's not about you. We're talking. Uh, we're speaking truth to power. Yes. Yeah. And so um, I think last week, Friday, you ended up on a very high note, you mm. know, discussing feminism in pop culture, which is something that's quite important. And it's something that I'm starting to catch up on. And um, you, you, you had, uh, what was what was the name? Cabo. Cabo Chwene. Yes. And uh, Lindiwem Tlitama and Nonches Kosana. And you were talk and you were talking about how pop culture influences uh, today's feminism, etc. Mm. That's correct. Mm. Also on last week, Monday, we spoke about, you know, the roles and experiences of women in political organizations. We also spoke to Usimamgele in Thagavu on her master's research and the representation of or misrepresentation of women in media, you know, particularly around election campaigning time. We also spoke to Magdalene Munsami. Uh, we're still speaking truth to power and we will stay speaking truth to power. Malebu, please tell us what we're talking about today. It's important to speak truth to power. And I think because we live in such a patriarchal society yes. and I'm a stuck record when it comes to the word <laughs> patriarchy. <Yeah. laughs> Every second sentence you will hear patriarchy from me because it grinds me. Mm. And we live in such a patriarchal society that every single thing is seen from a patriarchal lens when mm. um, where, where, whether it, it has to do with politics yeah. whether it has to do with um, our lives in general you mm. know we've spoken about how patriarchy owns our bodies and tells us what to do with our bodies yes, yes. and so today it's important we're focusing on the economy and what's what's interesting for me is how patriarchy owns the economy you know mm. in mm. terms of how everything is so man-centric, right? So whoever gets paid more, it's the man. Whoever leads the economy is the man. So so the conversation, I'm I'm itching for a deeper conversation to talk about women and the economy. But for me, my question has always been about, um, we we are called one of the leading countries in terms of policy and and quota. Mm, (laughs) So if mm. you look in parliament, you know, we have high quotas uh, of women representation. If you look at our policies in South Africa, 
Africa. They're quite, um, what do they call them? Women-centered, right? And so we get lauded and say, oh, they've got such great policies. But what does that translate to mm. when it comes to the economy? Mm. Mm-hmm. That's so that's always something that I'm always thinking about. Well, that's right. We're talking about women in the economy. All you have to do is call us on 011-559-1653. That is 011-559-1653. We're talking about the importance of women in the economy. Uh, I mean, Malib, what what are your thoughts on this? I mean, briefly. Yeah, I mean, people people can can be part of the conversation uh, because I do know that um, in my circles... And, and this is one of my biggest research areas, women and the economy. Mm. And I know we all have different ideas about what, what it means, especially since in our country, you don't really have a sense what type of economy do we have. You know, mm. um, is it a very capitalist, liberal, imperialist economy or is it a socialist, um, you know, kind of economy? So it's always interesting for, for people. Some people say, no, we, we always midway. Other people say, no, we we, we, we are capitalist and we are covering up. So this is a very important conversation. And I think to help us later, we have a guest uh, and we will be talking about um, research that's done around, um, you know, that shows um, who owns the economy, uh, what has been done and the real, real, real numbers when it comes to economic issues. And do you know, Pumzile, that there are eight men. Eight in men. South Africa, right? What Listen to want? this. So there are eight men in South Africa who has the biggest buying power. What? Yes. Yeah, so, so a huge chunk of our economy in South Africa is owned by eight men. And that means in relation, so if you look at the numbers, so mm. if we look at our population as 100%, about less than one percent. <laughs> that is scary. Owns a huge chunk of no, our economy. That is scary. Yes, it, it, it's very restrictive. I mean, right? It's restricted. I beg your pardon. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Anyway, so you can be part of the conversation. Let us know your thoughts around the economy. What do you think? Do you think we, we, we've made it? You know, every time I see um, huge uh, campaigns that will highlight how many women are in CEO position. I mean, recently we heard that there's a, there's a woman who's become a CEO in a bank and it's lauded and they say that we're going forward. What are your thoughts around women and the economy? Be part of this conversation. Tweet us at Soul, at Soul City underscore SA at UJFM and our Hashtag is not yet Uhuru. And also after the break, we will be speaking to Utem Binkosi Lamini from Oxfam South Africa, who is a taxation, public finance and economic specialist with, you know, important experience in the analysis of public budgets, executing economic governance programs and working with non-state actors in areas of policy advocacy. Yeah, to join us. So you can join the conversation and have your say by tweeting us at SoulCity underscore SA. Alternatively, at UJFM, we are speaking truth to power here on the UJFM Drive. You are listening to Not Yet Uhuru, brought to you by the Soul City Institute. We're speaking truth to power right here on the UJFM Drive. You can, ha- you can interact with us and have your say by tweeting us at SoulCity underscore SA. Alternatively, at UJFM. UJFM and better, you can also give us a call on 011 That is 011 Now, Malebo, before the break, yeah. you mentioned that you do research you know, yeah. on women and the economy. Can you please elaborate on your research and tell us what it's about in your findings? Yeah, I mean, um, 
I think the area of the economy and development is one that I'm extremely passionate about. So yes. it's not particularly a scholarly area, yeah. but it's, you know, like stuff that when I am buying time, I like to read about it and it does impact and influence a lot of my scholarly work. But um, just before I go into um, the, the research, the, the, the research yeah. numbers are important. Okay. And earlier on, I spoke about eight men owning a huge bulk mm, of our economy. Mm, so mm. I think if we put it into numbers, people will get an idea of, of what it is exact, that we are talking about, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So we have eight men who own the same wealth as the 3.6 billion people who make up the poorest half of humanity. How is that even right? How is it that we live in a country where... The, in, you know, inequality is high. And when I say inequality is high, I mean the gap between the rich and the poor. We have one of the highest Gini coefficient in, our, in, in the world, meaning that um, there's a huge gap, you know, between those who earn super high salaries and those, and those who are poor. Yeah. And when I say poor, I mean they live on less than $2 a day. And I think it's $1.45 a day. And this is the kind of um, country that we live in. So if you think about it, uh, Pumzile, as a black woman, what yeah. does that mean for you, you know, um, living in a country where the biggest chunk of the wealth is owned by eight men? It's absolutely unfair. Like like I said earlier, I feel it, it, it's totally restricted mm, because mm. we're having a situation whereby only a few benefit, yeah. you know, whereas the rest of the country is getting poor and yeah. poor, yeah. And which really doesn't make sense yeah. to me. I mean, it makes me question the policies, you yeah. know, that, 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 that have been put out. Yeah. It makes me question a lot of things. Yeah, and we need to question those. And this is why today's show is called Speaking Truth to Power, because mm. we must question those policies. Because because if you do go through those policies, <laughs> mm. they look nice. I tell you, it's very nice for us to speak and make nice speeches about how South Africa is a leading democracy Empowering and we have good women-centered mm. policies and we have representation. Those things are nice. But when it comes to the numbers and the lived experiences, what does that look like? And this is the reason why we're saying we're speaking truth to power because we can't accept things like that at face value. We can't mm. accept that there are few women as CEOs. We can't accept that um, there are nice policies. We can't accept that uh, the Department of, of, of Small Business and uh, Department of Women have these campaigns that are geared at involving women in the economy. But when you come to the numbers, this is what it looks like and not just numbers but all of us have family members right mm, because mm. when it comes to issues of black women it's not just stuff that are far from us Pumzile. Yes, it's stuff yes. that we live with every single day I know my situation as a black woman when I'm involved in the economy you know your situation as a black mm. woman when you're involved in the economy we know our, our sisters and different women that we interact with so this is very much an experience thing and it comes back to the kind of work that I do around research so in one of the research uh, work that I did was I looked at different economies on our, on our continent. And one of the countries was Rwanda and South Africa. And I was looking at who contributes to the economy more, you know, yes, yes. And, and then the, the issue of informal and formal work started coming out. So we have what we call formal work and formal work is structured, you know, when we yes, talk about yes, corporate yes. Mm. and there are people who, who have contracts mm. and then they go to work every single day. Informal work is what the, you know, the structures that are, do, they do not recognize that kind of work. Mm. And one of the things that are very close to me is think about those women 
who wake up every single morning to go sell Street stuff. Street yeah. You know, those women who, who are not necessarily registered mm. with any um, institution. and But they are participating in the economy. But, but they're not seen as a formal structure. Right? Mm. And think about how then they, the, the, the brand to, 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 um, to take care of families, to provide for families, is on them. And they have to every single day wake up, try to make money mm. and go back home and take care of families. And this is why the research, yeah, Oxfam, is very important for us yes. to engage in. Because then it looks at how many households, you know, are headed by women, by women yeah. in terms of providing, you know, income. Mm. So these could be household where there is both, uh, you know, a man and a woman and children, you know. Even though even, the woman even though, is leading yes, in terms of so, supporting. Yeah. Exactly. So who is who is the face of the economy, you know, in, 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 in our country? Who's the face of hunger? Who's the face of poverty? So these things are very important for us to interrogate mm. when we are looking at policies. It's important for us to interrogate when we are making nice speeches about how many CEOs mm. uh, are women. You know, mm. that is very interesting. And I mean, what's also quite interesting as well is, you know, when you think about the kinds of jobs that women have had, you know, through history yeah. and, and now and, and, and how we value that work in terms of the salaries earned. Yes, um, we have what we call the term. So there are two points that I want to make. We have a term that we call feminized labor. Right. right. So when we say feminized what labor, it's the kind of work that we associate with women. So when you say nurse. The first picture that comes mm, in your mind a woman, is a woman. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and, yeah. you, and then uh, it's funny that when a man is a nurse, they have to say male nurse. They don't say female nurse, mm. but it's nurse and male nurse. Because it's regarded as unusual. Uh, yeah, know? because it's, it's a, a job that says only women can perform. Yeah. Um, things like if you're a domestic worker, you know, if in the house, it's always women. Right. So these are what we call feminized labor mm. and feminized labor is always the kind of labor that comes. That's very unrecognized in the hierarchies of things. It's, it always comes with the lower pay. So the person. So let's let's let, let's go into the operating room in a hospital. Mm. So there's a surgeon and yeah. and and let's say the surgeon is the man and the nurse is the woman. Most of the time, the person that will be recognized in that room is the surgeon. It's the man, even when it comes to pay. So this is why I say there's this term called feminized labor. And so most of the time, feminized labor also goes along with a certain stigma and it goes along with a certain hierarchical structure when yes. it comes to how much the people are getting paid. Mm. And, and, and beyond feminized labor, Pumzile, there's this thing that I know when I was in corporate that w my colleague and I were not paid the same um, salary. salary based on gender. So um, there's a study that in South Africa, women get paid 30% less compared to, men. compared to men. Even though you're doing the same work. Even though you... <laughs> That is most of the, the time we're doing more part. work. Yeah. Most of the time you're doing more work oh, um, and, and, and you're still getting paid less based on your gender. So sure. those this the, so this is the kind of reality that we live in when it comes to the economy. I know we've touched on a lot of things. If you're at home listening to the conversation, please weigh in our social media. You can go on our social media at Soul City underscore SA. You are listening to Not Yet Uhuru, brought to you by the Soul City Institute. 
you're still tuned into Truth to Power right here in the UJFM Drive 95.4. You can still interact with us on our social media by, um, you know, at tweeting us at SoulCity underscore SA, alternatively at UJFM. Also, you can give us a call on 011-559-1653. We are talking about women in the economy. Yes, yes, and we were meant to have a, um, a guest, guest Tim Gosi yeah. Lamini from Oxfam, um, who needed to come and break down certain studies that were conducted by Oxfam, and which which I was really looking forward to because numbers are important to me. You know, as much as we make general statements, it always hits home when you bring out the numbers. You know, when yeah. you say when you when you say show show us show us here how many women um, or how, you know what what does the scale look like. Mm-hmm. And then it gives you a perfect picture. Then we can counter the narrative that there's a lot of work done. Because for me, it's like you're saying that there's a lot of work done. There are great policies. Uh, there are great campaigns. Mm. But when the numbers do not translate to those great campaigns and that great work, does it actually mean that the work is successful? It means that we need no. to go back and <laughs> and relook at our strategies, right? And this is why it's important for us to speak truth to power, to mm. say we are on the ground. You know, we, these are our lived experiences. You yes. know, as a black woman, I always I always make this personal because I'm a black woman, and it it, it impacts me every single day navigating myself a, a, around this country. I feel it. You know, I mm. feel I feel like um, my labor, you know, is looked down upon. Number one, if I walk in with a man in the the same room we have the same uh, qualifications uh, i i could even have the higher experiences mm. i feel like i always have to prove myself i have to go 10 times beyond you know to prove myself that i can do the job and even after jumping hoops and proving myself um i still get paid less so it, that's why i say i take it quite personally because it's mm. stuff that i've interacted with and beyond just me and interacting with i do a lot of work with women Right. Yes, and yes. and it's women from different demographics, uh, women from different classes, you know, mm. um, women in the rural areas, women in urban areas. And you find, Guti, you know, when we talk about poverty. So when we talk about this poverty issue and we talk about that um, people are living on less than a, a two dollars a day, most well, not most. When we talk about this, the face of poverty Mm. are women and children. And so it it needs to be a priority. You know, dealing with this issue needs to be a a priority. In 2017, we can't still talk about eight men. (laughs) Yeah, that is absolutely shocking. I'm laughing not because it's funny, but because it's preposterous. You know, eight men who, who have so much who mm. are controlling so much of the economy and i mean we, we we've 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 we, you know what we, we've talked about a lot of issues i mean we've highlighted the fact that you know a lot of women you know have the responsibility tend to sort of like have a responsibility mm. of, of feeding the children and, and, and taking care of a lot of things yeah. in the households yeah. now i'd like us to break it down yeah. in, in, in you know at, in our real situations yeah. at homes you know the the, the the you know the, the exact situations that are happening in in the households, what are the situations at home, even the worst situations at home, whereby you are a woman, you are a provider, mm. yet you there's inequality there, you know, with regards to you and your husband? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I th- when I think of how patriarchy works, and because patriarchy kind of puts different groups of people above the other, right? Yes. So in this instance, it puts men above women. And so even in the home, there's this hierarchical structure 
where the man is the head of the house. Mm. And and with the country that we have and the history that we have, many homes are like that, are set up like that, where if it's not your husband, it's your brother, it's your, you know, it's but any man becomes a head. And isn't it interesting when, when it comes to feeding the family? So I spoke about the issue around informal labor where um, the woman will go out and by any means necessary yes, bring yes. back the bacon or bring back money at home. But isn't it interesting that when it comes to feeding the house, how that plays out? Mm. I don't know if you've seen this, but in most homes, um, when it comes to dishing time, the who who gets the the, the food first? Who gets dished up first? It has to be the first? men, the men of the house. You know, yeah. and and it's usually the men. <laughs> and I heard some story. Uh. You, I, I can't remember who actually told me the story, but I heard the story that in their house they had to dish up, and the father had to eat the food until he was full. No one was allowed to eat. So these things that even is ridiculous. These things play out in the home in this way, mm. and 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 and. When we talk about busting the structural issue, we're talking about going into the homes and looking at how these hierarchical structures play. Because without sorting these hierarchical structures in the home, it is going to be very, very difficult for us to battle, you know, um, the economy as a problem in our country. Yeah. But then here we are, you know, at, you know, t- talking about the, 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 the problems that we faced with or rather the, the problems that women are faced mm. with in, 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 you know, with regards to, to the economy in our yeah. society. But then we, we can't ignore the fact that, you know, these are beliefs uh, that are instilled, yeah. you know, in people from a young age. Yeah. You know, how, how do we then move forward? How do we then get read of these beliefs that are instilled from a young age, yeah, yeah. you know, which are meant to be traditional beliefs. Ex- How do we then eradicate this? It, it, bec- it becomes very difficult mm. because these are conditioned beliefs. Yeah. And, and just from my kind of work, I find it, it becomes very difficult to address issues of patriarchy, issues of breaking the structures, uh, on, 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 on if you don't go into the home. So as I said to you, that this is where all these things are fed. You know, the patriarchal structures are fed in the home. And this is why shows like this are important. Mm. Because we're talking about issues that people don't think about. You know, works, um, you've had different people on the guest come and talk about their different kinds of work. And, 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 And feminist work has been important in addressing these issues. That we are constantly being plunged into inequality. We are constantly being plunged in in societies that that becomes very difficult for us to live in because people are adamant to keep these structures in place, you know. Mm. So for me, I'll make an example. We have, let's say you put a CEO in a position in a company. Right. And then Humunat, oh, the first black CEO (laughs) to hold this position and everyone celebrates. And it's always nice, you know, for people in power to come back and say, we've got a good story to tell. We have this woman in the CEO position. Let's all celebrate. Mm. And it feels like, yes, it's a tick for, 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 you know, for women. Mm. But actually, what does that mean Mm. for that woman and for women um, you know, on the ground, mm. if we do not challenge the background um, of this woman, if we do not challenge um, 
you know, what is happening in the home. So if this woman comes from a home where patriarchal structures are still intact, where mm. she still feels that she needs to, um, that the man is the head and she needs to, um, you know, submit to this man, yeah. it, it, it translates in the work. This is, has been my observation. I mean, I know a lot of people disagree with me, but it translates in the work. You can see, Uguti, uh, the person's beliefs are still firmly held on because of how things are in the home, right? Sure. And um, if you find a man who in their home is a head and his patriarchal uh, uh, ideology is intact, you see it play out in the workplace. Mm. Because mm. how dare a woman try and give him instructions or look uh, you know, you know, uh, 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 be a, a leader above him. So these things then are not mutually exclusive. So we have to deal with those issues from the home. Like it's a structural issue that manifests itself in the numbers that we see yeah. because it starts yeah. at home. I mean, absolutely. I mean, and also looking at some of the situations that women are faced with is the fact that, you know, in a situation whereby there's food scarcity, mm. you know, women, you know, have to sacrifice their meal yeah. For, for, for their husbands and yeah. their children even though there's a situation whereby you know men at some point they, they leave their household and go look for work and, and, and don't even come back and check out if the household is maintained sure. <laughs> see how, how crazy that is and, and I'm sure you've seen this you know we're not just getting this information from thin air when mm. and this is why I say it's important for us to constantly locate ourselves we've seen this happen not just to us but to women around us and also an interesting stat is that um, apparently 46% of South African men receive mm. salaries compared to 32% uh, of females. But there are more women who receive social grants and meaning they rely on these social mm. grants. And so when they receive the social grants, it is also the burden is on them to take care of families. Yeah. So, um, you know, they are paid less, number one. They are the ones that receive more social grants. But in the home, it seems like they it's the burden, yeah. you know, the responsibility. Okay, maybe when I say burden, it, it sounds mm. a bit like bad, mm. you know, but the responsibility to actually take care of the families is on them. You are still listening to Not Yet Uhuru right here on the UJFM Drive 95.4, which is brought to you by the Soul City Institute for Social Justice. You are listening to Not Yet Uhuru, brought to you by the Soul City Institute. Tuned in to the UJFM Drive on 95.4. And joining us on the line is Timbingosi Lamini from Oxfam, South Africa. A very good afternoon to you, Timbingosi. Welcome to the UJFM Drive. Okay, we, we seem to have lost Timbingosi. Let me try him again. <laughs> Yeah, we've been trying um, to get, and it, 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 you know, I do hope that we can get him online because I, I really wanted to engage him, particularly on these two reports that Oxfam ran, um, you know, the Hidden Hunger Report and the Inequality Report, because many times you have organizations running these reports, giving us great numbers, but then what then? You know, we know that we have this problem. What then? And 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 I would have particularly liked to hear his thoughts on the informal economy issue. Um, the, we'd, we'd like to go deeper into it, that what does it look like for the structure of the economy in our country to be living in the situation? And then who do we need to engage with? You know, every time we talk about we need to do something, we need to, who then do we need to engage with? And when, who is this power? You know, we, we are speaking truth to power. So 
with the report that they have produced in terms of the recommendation, who is this power that um, that we need to engage with? And how and how do that we, we look at addressing issues of inequality going forward? Because when we speak of inequality, when we speak of poverty, we speak of women and particularly black women, you know, uh, living on less than a dollar, I mean, two dollars a day. And this is this is uh, this is like a violation to human rights. Right. I think yeah. every single person deserves the dignity of, um, you know, of, 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 of living, you know, of, of participating in the economy. And so when there are stark inequalities that are in your face, um, as the numbers that we have been reading throughout the show, mm. it really, really concerns me. Yes, so you can yes. be part of the conversation. What does this mean to you? If you've just joined us, we're talking about women and the economy. Um, go on Twitter at SoulCity underscore SA at UJFM. And our hashtag is not yet Uhura. And we're talking about women and the economy. And most of the time when we talk about the economy, um, if we bring up lots of numbers, mm. you know, it feels mm. like we're talking about this grand thing. Yes, but yes. when we bring it to our experiences, you know, me and you, Pumzile, what does that look like? And I shared a bit about how how I've often felt like, you know, as a, as, as a black woman in particular, I constantly have had to prove myself. I've constantly have had to jump through 10 fiery hoops in order to be taken seriously. And even after jumping those 10 hoops, you know, I still get paid less. And, and this speaks to uh, how then do we navigate um, our activism around, um, you know, the economy in the country and how then women participate in the economy. But we've seen, you know, there's a certain anger and resistance from, from the public when it comes to these issues. Because what I think is that when these issues confront us and life becomes unbearable to live, there's a certain resistance that comes about. Mm -hmm. And as we've seen, we've had resistance throughout centuries, but just pointing it to this time, we've seen lots of public um, anger come out um, globally and locally. So this is not just a South African and problem, right? And we're still right? trying to get hold of Utembingosi Lamini, you know, who'll be clarifying this matter for us. Oh, he's already online. A very good afternoon to you, Tim Gorsi. How are you doing? Welcome to the EJFM Drive. I'm all right. Thank you very much. Hi, Tim Kosi. You're speaking to Malebusi Podi and Pumzile, and this is not yet Uhuru. So we've been engaging the Oxfam uh, study regarding the Hidden Hunger Report and the Inequality Report, and we've, we've, we've gone through the numbers. So one of the questions that I have for you particularly is, now when organizations like Oxfam come up with these um, research and the, and the reports, yeah. what are the recommendations? You know, what then, what, what do we do with the report that you've produced? Yes, I, I think in terms of Oxfam, as you would know, we're a civil society organization. We work with communities affected by poverty, inequality and hunger and things like that. Uh, we do know as Oxfam that some of the uh, negative things that we see in terms of hunger is sometimes a result of uh, bad policy choices that were taken as South Africa as the government, such as the level of investment in agriculture. By investment in agriculture, we don't mean just commercial agriculture, but um, um, subsistence agriculture. 
in South Africa we have 2%, only 2% of households that grow their own food. Even that 2%, the food that they grow is not enough to last them uh, for the rest of the year or whatever the frequency of their harvest. So what we've seen, we've seen less investment going to extension services, which means even those people who are capable and willing to go to the field to plow, they don't have the technical skills and they don't have the support. Uh, there's also not enough water uh, to make sure that there's irrigation. There's not enough seed or other things such as finance to make sure that people can access the input that are required in agriculture. Okay, so um, so now with, with, with this recommendation around agriculture, is this only for a certain demographic or is it is it something that can be um, realistic for every single person, for example, in the urban areas? Because I always hear the argument of agriculture, but really is it is it something that we can roll out, you know, with let's look at a township like Soweto, for example, where there is high levels of inequality? Yes. Um, the the recommend around agriculture should be a cost, really. There's mm. a lot of countries that have produced a uh, substantial amount of food mm. uh, through backyard gardens mm. or some of the emerging uh, urban agriculture technology, you know, where people now, uh, some of them put it in the bulk and the like. The more people are only exposed to the market if they want food, the more they are vulnerable because the moment they don't have income, they don't have money, they cannot access food, hence the rising hunger level. So we've always thought that hunger was limited to those people practicing subsistence agriculture in the rural areas, only to find that there's a lot of hunger in urban areas because in urban areas, you need to have money to be able to access food. Whilst in other instances, people can grow their own food. There is no reason why uh, people in Soweto and any other suburb would not have some small plots, backyard gardens where they grow the bare essentials so that whatever money is remaining, they can buy those things that they cannot grow. I mean, because we, we have seen more and more public anger, you know, recently across the globe and locally. I mean, for instance, in South Africa, the, the service delivery protest and the fees must fall protest, you know, speak to this issue. Um, who, who do we then need to engage with if we, you know, if we're going to make any systematic changes in the economy for, for women? Well, I would say it is up to the government to intervene, uh, but the government needs to intervene in ways uh, that can resolve the, the current crisis. For instance, uh, it's unlikely that a person who is poor, doesn't have money to buy food today, can instead of buying something to eat, they go and buy seed, fertilizer, and other inputs. Hence, they and then intervening, they have some smaller Why don't you take these inputs? and grow something else on the side so that in a few months' time we won't have the same problem. We are also saying what people are supported in agriculture. We have seen in other countries such as Malawi, they have done that successfully, where people with the subsidy program, they were able to produce enough food for themselves 
and a bit more, which they could then sell in the form of a surplus, which then brings uh, increases the household income, and people are now able to buy other non-food items as a result. And that tends to diminish the inequality situation. So I would say squarely the reason why where the office must fall and yeah. issues like that is because somewhere in the constitution, in particular section 26, it says government will make education available for all, including at tertiary level. But there are barriers currently to access tertiary education, and this tends to lock certain uh, uh, a group of the population, especially the poor, in a situation where they continue to be uneducated and therefore their future incomes or possibilities are constrained. So really it's up to the government to do something about that. We've been saying we need government to release the report on tertiary education, the HESA report, and let's see what is contained there so that we can start moving forward as a nation to say then where do we source the money to ensure that free free, free tertiary education happens. Sure. Um, Tim Kosi, uh, we'd love to have you more on the line because I think in particular you mentioned a huge topic around agriculture and the country we're talking a lot about land and t- do women have this land in order to make this viable and also talking about eight men who own a huge chunk of the economy. So how then do we do we do we you know bring that together when it comes to addressing these issues, especially on a policy level? But um, thank you so much, Tim Gosi, for joining us um, this afternoon um, at UJFM with the Not Yet Uhuru Crew. Uh, thank you, thank you, sir. And if anyone wants access to the report, where can they go? Uh, the report is online in our Oxfam website www.oxfam.org. Okay. Thank- it's called the Hidden Hunger Report. Thank you so much. That was uh, Tim Kosi from uh, Oxfam, and we were talking about two reports that they ran, the Hidden Hunger Report and the Inequality Report. Unfortunately, Malibu, we're out of time, but that was a very insightful interview. I, I just wish, you know, we, we, we could have, you know, continued for, 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 you know, for longer. Money is a huge issue, and it is the reason that um, makes me very sad that we live in a country where um, the rich are so rich and the poor are so poor, and that gap is terribly big. Mm. And I'm glad we're having such conversations because you know, now we, we need to look at things, you know, differently because mm. we cannot just be satisfied with only titles. <laughs> we need to really dig deeper and, 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 and really see, you know, what's really, really happening at the core of all these titles. And this is what's at the basis of us speaking truth to power. You've been hanging with me, Malibu Sipodi and Pumzile um, at uh, you know, um, hashtag not yet Uhuru. Please continue the conversation on social media at yes. Soul City underscore SA at UJFM. Don't forget that hashtag is important, not yet Uhuru. Mm. And we're back again tomorrow from 3 till 4. I don't know if you're joining me tomorrow. Are you? I, I might. Uh, really, <laughs> it's body really? time. Tomorrow we're talking body time and we're talking contraceptives. And it's one of my favorite conversations because it talks about me owning my own body. So join us tomorrow for a more riveting, rattling You are listening to Not Yet Uhuru, brought to you by the Seoul City Institute. She waddles through this land, pregnant with dreams of liberation, with nowhere to birth them. Her water breaks in an attempt to cleanse the rot of patriarchy, but in turn baptizes her as less than human.
But this feminist understands that the power of her voice and clenched fist shall reclaim her freedom. Not yet, Uhuru. The new voice of the women's liberation movement. <laughs>